I am fantasy and paranormal romance author Leslie Penelope, and welcome to My Imaginary Friends, a look behind the scenes of an author mapping the worlds in my head and making them a reality. Hello, friends. Today is Sunday, January 28th, 2024, and this is episode 231 of My Imaginary Friends. I'm Leslie. As a reminder, you can sign up for the Footnotes newsletter, which includes all of the show notes for every episode, as well as a weekly email with inspiration, strategies, and ideas to help you grow as a writer. That is at myimaginaryfriends.net slash footnotes. When you sign up, you can choose to become an imaginary best friend for a few dollars a month and get access to to the premium posts, which are long-form craft essays, as well as quarterly workshops, discounts on my courses, and coaching. So please join me there. This week's best thing is I had a book bub. So my book, Savage City, which originally came out in 2022, it's the first in the Bliss Wars trilogy. I've never had a book bub for any of my self-published books before. I've been rejected several times before. But this is the first time for my indie books, I have had a book bub. And so it ran on Friday the 26th. So two days ago, as I record this. And I just wanted to give an update as to the progress of it. So um, Savage City it was put into the paranormal romance category, which is the most appropriate category that they have. And if you're not familiar, BookBub is the email list. It's a discount book email list. And it's sort of the granddaddy of them all. It's the biggest one. It's supposed to give you the biggest bang for your buck. Now, Savage City is a book that does not sell well online. I can sell it in person at events. I always sell out. But for some reason, no matter what I've done over the past couple of years, trying to sell this book, it doesn't work very well online. And I've updated the blurbs. I think the cover's really good. I mean, it could probably, I could change the cover, but I don't want to do that because <laughs> I love the cover. And I think it's on market, but I could be delusional. You never know. Um, but I have updated the blurb. I've changed the keywords, the things that they tell you to do when the book's not working. Anyway, I decided to try for this book bub. Now, a paranormal romance book bub for a 99 cent discount. So it's not free. 99 cents seems to be working better for, for most people. It was $540. So the book is normally $499. Book two is at full price for $499. And then book three, Brutal Fortress, comes out in March and the pre-order is up. So I knew I probably was not going to make my money back on the 99 cent sale because I only get 35 cents or so of that. But the idea is you get the read through and you push, push people into book two and hopefully they pre-order book three. And so now I set the book to 99 cents earlier in the week, like Tuesday or Wednesday to make sure there were no shenanigans. It's wide. So it's on all retailers. It's 99 cents on all retailers. And the book bub was US, Canada, Australia, England, and maybe one other English speaking country. So I have scribe count open, which is how I track my sales across different platforms. And I'm just looking at the, the past seven days. So even though the book's only been 99 cents for maybe five of those days, we're going to count it all. As of this recording, and I'm recording Sunday morning. So basically the book bub was about 48 hours ago. Savage City has sold 708 copies. My royalties are $299.25. Beastly Kingdom has sold 28 copies and the royalties are $95.17. And there's been one additional pre-order of Brutal Fortress for $18.35. I guess that was a paperback. I don't know how that works. So if you add that all together, it's about 400, a little over $400, which 
is honestly better than I thought I would do. It's nowhere near the numbers that some authors pull. You know, people can pull thousands and thousands of sales from a book, but but 708 units. Uh, I'm actually super excited about that. So I've made back over half of the money that I spent on the $540 book above. And as people actually read the book, hopefully keep moving into book two and then book three. The read-through rate is not amazing on this series. And, you know, that is something to think about as well. Like, what did I do wrong? I really love these books and it can be hard to separate yourself from books that you love that you think you did a good job on. But I'm sure there are issues like there are with any book. There is a little bit of a cliffhanger at the end of Savage City, which is my hope is entices you into the next book. But I'm sure there are other things that could have been done with the series to make it sell better. I just don't know what they are, to be quite honest. However, in terms of my book, Bob, um, yeah, there's going to be a tale of sales that continue. A lot of authors will stack other promos. But for me, I had done a promo uh, blast last year when the book was free and I came nowhere close to earning my money back. So I didn't want to spend a lot of extra money on additional promos during the week after spending that much money on the book bub. There is at the end of this week, uh, February 1st or 2nd, I can't remember, the Pharaoh Bub is happening. And that's another book blast of discounted books happening through Pharaoh Feb, Fantasy Romance February. So hopefully I'll get another boost at the tail end. And then the book goes off sale sometime next weekend. So we'll see. Cumulatively, uh, and that was free. The Pharaoh Bub is free. So any sales that I get during this week, I'm going to attribute to the, the book bub spend and use that to calculate if I've made the money back. So far, so good. I feel good about it. I'm sure that in the coming days, as it's still 99 cents, I'm going to post a little bit more about it. Other people post about it. I know it gets picked up sometimes naturally by some other discounted lists, and that can give you little boosts here and there. As long as I can actually just make the money back, I think that it's worth doing because it got so far, you know, 700 additional people to read these books. Some percentage of them will actually read the book and want go on to the next one and hopefully finish the trilogy with Brutal Fortress, which comes out in March. So if you order it from me, you can get it two weeks early on March 1st. And if you order from my shop from lpnlb.com, either ebook or print, I will send it to you. I ship to US and Canada uh, print. And if you're in another country and are interested in it, just email me and we can figure out shipping. Uh, Otherwise, if you buy from a normal retailer, anyone other than me, it comes out March 15th. And the audiobook for Beastly Kingdom book two is coming out sometime soon as well. I've been in touch with the audiobook people and I know they're going to get started on the audiobook for Brutal Fortress. So they're not going to be at the same date. They weren't able to do that. There's been some confusion there. We're going to work it out. But um, I'm really excited about the, the end of this trilogy and yeah, seeing in the coming days, you know, what other sales come from this book, Bub? The tail drops off, but it's still more sales than usual. And I got a, you know, a little orange flag on Amazon for it, which was also very cool. So yeah, it's, I think it's going well. It's meeting expectations. It's actually got a little bit above my expectations. I had very low expectations. My writing update. So I'm still plotting my paranormal thriller that takes place in the 90s, which is called The Book of Secrets. It's going well. I've got the external plot to a decent point. So I've been keeping a diary of this, and I'm just going to go through my entries uh, and summarize them to, 
see what's been going on. So, you know, once again, this is a book that I'd started years ago, but I'm starting from scratch and it's very different from its former iteration while retaining the same core, like the same essence of the story. Um, I had gotten the first act last week, I think, got to the midpoint. The midpoint's always a struggle for me. And so this week I was actually back in all of my craft books. I pulled out a bunch of craft books. I pulled out Write Your Novel from the Middle by James Scott Bell, which is, always helps with the midpoint, Structuring Your Novel by K.M. Wyland, and then her other two, Outlining Your Novel and Creating Character Arcs. And then I was also in Save the Cat Writes a Novel. So I had this stack of five craft books on my desk, going back and forth between them, trying to figure out what the min- what the midpoint needed to do and what the bad guys close in, which is the section after the midpoint. And I just had all kinds of questions because I had a vision for where the end was going to be, but the second half of Act 2 and basically Act 3 is still a mystery. I wasn't sure where I wanted my main character to end up, and I had a couple of options. So I just started brainstorming. I listed everything that was in my mind, came up with some other ideas, and then I had to decide the backstory of my villain, of my my character's mother who's important in the story. Uh, There's actually kind of two villains and their backstories are intertwined and I'm still not a hundred percent, but I got closer to the backstories. I had to figure out what, which characters knew what, when, and that led me into the magic system and how it actually works and how the powers work. And there were just a lot of decisions that I had to make before I could go forward because their actions in the present really are dependent upon what they knew in the past, when they knew it, what their powers do, what I need their powers to do as the author. So I had different branches, different paths that could go down. And I just followed each path, brainstorming, okay, what happens if it's this? What happens if she doesn't know? What happens if she does know? Like all of those different possibilities I was brainstorming. Then we move into the next day when I was, this is when I was having trouble with the second half of Act 2. I knew they had to make this discovery, but I wasn't sure how it happened. And at that point, I did the backwards outline. So I started from the thing that has to happen, you know, before the third act, this big revelation. Then what has to happen before that? And what has to happen before that? So I did the backwards outline to lead me up the chain of events that has to happen. And that was super helpful. And then figuring out how to connect that to the midpoint reveal or the midpoint twist. And yeah, I, I spent some time talking it through with my friend Inez in the morning, which was also really helpful. You can hear the holes as you're trying to explain things. They can see some holes. They can give you suggestions that may or may not be helpful, but they will spark things with you. We know how this works. Of course, the backwards outline exposed another issue that I have to face. Too much exposition in Act 2. I had been keeping um, like a running synopsis or just an outline, a bullet point outline of everything that's happening. And there were these huge chunks of, and then they find this person and they explain all this stuff. And the next thing they discover, this person explains all this stuff. There were three big chunks of exposition of things that have to come out because the story is a little complicated, but they don't have to come out right then, right there. And I knew that the story required either another POV or multiple POVs where you're just seeing other things happening in other places while my main character is going through her thing. And I know that a lot of that exposition is going to come from those storylines, but I haven't spent any time yet dealing with these additional storylines. But there's just too much my character doesn't find out until the second half of Act 2 that the reader needs to find out. And then I can just summarize that she is learning the stuff that the reader already knows 
that feels like a good technique for that to save me from the info dump. Even though it's really all interesting stuff, um, it's stuff I'm still tweaking. So the, the closer I get to understanding everything, I also feel like the further away I get, like, I don't know all the POVs. I was reading this really excellent article on Jane Friedman's blog by Samantha Skull, I believe her name is, who is a thriller writer and, and author coach. And it was about twists in mysteries and thrillers. And it came at the perfect time. It was one of those things where the universe is conspiring to help you because I just randomly came across this post. And she said that a twist is really the revelation of the villain's truth. And I've been thinking a lot about villains because over on my other podcast, Ink and Magic, we recently in- interviewed Sasha Black, who has a book on villains. That interview is coming out, I think, in March. But it was really great to talk to someone who's thought deeply about villains. And Sasha is amazing. And I have to check out her villains book. I am a person who doesn't like writing villains. If you have read my books, if you read Earthsinger Chronicles, yes, there's a great villain. The True Father, I think, is a good villain. But for me, he wasn't evil per se like he did really bad things of course awful villain but also he had a really good reason he had great motivation you know and i'm always try to make if i have a villain they have a really good motivation the entire point of the book savage city the thing that i was interested in writing was you know the, the premise is this woman is you know taken to this alternate world through a portal and her father there who's identical to her father at home he's the king tyrannical king, awful, does horrible things, loves her so much, gives her the love that her real father never gave her. That's the tension. That's the thing that brought me through that book and that I was so interested in. And yes, King Lyle in Savage City is a villain, but also he's a loving father. And so I never want a villain to just be a villain, to just only be evil. I want them to have all the dimensions and to really make the reader feel a little sympathy for them. I want the reader to think, "Mm, you kind of had a point. I want the whole Killmonger effect. And for me, traditionally, villains too often are not like that. There are brilliantly written villains, a la Killmonger and, and some others. We talked about the movie Cruella, which is a villain origin story. The Joker, like other villain origin stories where the villain is actually the protagonist. I've never felt drawn towards that before, but now I kind of, you know, in the back of my mind, can I do a villain protagonist where we have an actual villain origin story, but they're also kind of right? Lots of plot bunnies being born. Anyway, in this story that I'm writing right now, I I, I feel like the villain is like that he believes he's right. We, When we read it, I want us as the readers to be able to empathize with him, to see his point of view and to be like, I see how you got there. Like, you've taken it too far, sir, but yeah, you, you have a point. And in a thriller, and that's a little bit harder, I guess, you know, they're, they're more cut and dry often. But again, this is a paranormal thriller, fantasy, sci-fi still figuring out how the powers work or where, where they come from, which determines, I guess, whether it's fantasy or sci-fi. It, it doesn't really matter. It's, I think it's going to be more fantasy, though, because it's me. And that's what I'm interested in. And yeah, that's kind of where we ended it as far as my notes go. Yesterday, 
I was listening to an audiobook and I got some ideas about the character that led me into some research. So the book is called, at the moment, The Book of Secrets. And we have this kind of magical book that they find. And I had to know more about the book. I don't know what the book is. It's just been a MacGuffin this whole time, this thing that everybody wants that gives you powers. But what's its backstory? That actually is important in the story. It's just another thing I haven't thought about yet. Because you can't think about everything at the same time. So you encounter these problems and then you think about them, research them, come up with solutions and move on. And then sometimes you have to revisit that and tweak things or change them completely. And sometimes it's right. So I've got the beginnings of origin for the Book of Secrets and what it does and where it came from, where it's going, all of that stuff. Another thing, I don't know if this book is a standalone or a series. I think I would like to leave it open for series potential, but not necessarily plan it to be a series. I kind of am liking writing standalones, especially for traditional publishing. Um, but another thing I've been thinking about, slightly off topic now, just giving you that warning. For self-publishing, you know, so much of self-publishing surrounds writing to market, writing faster, working the algorithm, all of that. But there are successful self-publishers who only publish a book a year or maybe two books a year. And that is a much more palatable pace for me. That's the only thing. I mean, I think I could do like a long book and a short book or two or th maybe three short books a year, but my books tend to, I tend to have a lot to say. Uh, the book that comes out in June, Daughter of the Merciful Deep, is 120,000 words, similar to The Monsters We Defy. So if I'm thinking about books to self-publish uh, versus books to send additional and really only wanting to do one book a year, maybe one book each a year, what is my path towards that? What would be my path towards a more sustainable self-publishing part of my business? So those thoughts have been entering my head as well, just thinking through things, thinking through the things I want to write and how might they be published. And if they don't get bought by New York, if this book is rejected, then would I self-publish this one? I think I could self-publish this one because I think it has a strong hook. I think I could market it. I think that I could advertise it well. Other books that I'm thinking about writing, maybe not so much, so... All of that goes into my head as I am plotting this book. Also, I have been running the cohort for the Imaginary World Building course, Creating Fictional Worlds for Writers. We have a great group. It's been super fun. As I record this, I've, we've got one more week left. And yeah, I get a lot of energy from talking to writers and hearing about what they're going through and hopefully giving them some assistance and help. But I have been having a great time and I just wanted to give a shout out to everybody in the group and just, yes, give some gratitude for that because it has been helping to uplift me. And, you know, it's probably the last one, but I might try to do other group things in the future and just figure out how that might look. Uh, so if anyone has any ideas, requests, questions, hit me up, let me know in the comments, send me an email. Do it through my website, lpenelope.com, or hello at lpenelope.com is my email. It's all part of thinking through how to show up, how to give back, how to expand the business and grow it in ways that help people and ways that I'm comfortable with and all of that stuff too. So 
my goals for the coming week. Keep working, plotting the book of secrets. I have another idea. I think when I was talking about what the things I wanted to work on this year, there was this book, there was the NaNoWriMo book that I started, and then there was a third idea that I didn't have. I got the spark of inspiration for that third idea. I have the story seed. I just need to spend some time and energy cultivating it, which is difficult to do when I'm plotting this book. And I think this, once I can get this down, this plot, and have a good synopsis, I'll have more brain space for that. I can work on two books at the same time. However, it's very difficult to work on two books at the same stage at the same time. So this ideating, brainstorming, plotting stage takes a lot of mental energy. And that's what I need to do to that book too, which has been sitting percolating, simmering on the back burner for almost a year now, and maybe longer. I don't know. It could be longer. But that's where it needed to be. And then it was readying itself for the spark to come. And the spark was like, ooh. And I got a flood of ideas. And I'm like, okay, I really want to work on YouTube, but I need to finish this first. So getting closer. I think I'm a couple weeks away on the Book of Secrets from having just a strong synopsis. And then I can write the first three chapters for my proposal. And then I can move into, same thing, generating the idea, building, doing all this work again for that new idea. And that will probably be another proposal. So that is where we are right now. That's my plan for the week. The plan for the week is to work on Book of Secrets so that I can move it along in its process so that I can eventually get to the next one. And again, if you're not checking out Ink and Magic, if paranormal and fantasy romance is not your thing, we are doing the craft episodes every other episode, and we have some really great guests coming up who I will be talking about once their their episodes drop. The discussions there have been really interesting. I've actually learned a lot. I learned a lot from Inez, my co-host, from the guests we're having. And yeah, so check out some of those episodes uh, if you are a writer and interested in craft. And if you're a writer, you should be interested in craft, right? So that's it for me for this week. I hope that you have a wonderful week and I will talk to you the next time for episode show notes and to sign up for the Footnotes newsletter and get the show notes in your inbox along with a great weekly email. Go to myimaginaryfriends.net, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, watch the video episodes on YouTube and email me at podcast at And I would really appreciate a rating and review to help support the show. My Imaginary Friends is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. For more fantastic podcasts, go to frolic.media slash podcasts.